let's go over a review really quickly. Uh, number one, there are two distinct ways our culture has taught us to deal with emotions. So you guys, if you guys were here last week, you guys want to know, uh, can we lower this a little bit? Uh, a, the traditional way. Okay, what is the traditional way? What do they tell you about emotions? Emotions are bad, right? So you shouldn't have emotions. You should be an adult. Emotions are for little kids. Okay, you can't be overswayed by them. Get rid of them. Okay, and this is what we see sometimes in church as well. And that's why it's traditional or the religious way, right? Sometimes you, you have emotions. Maybe you fought with your wife. Or you, you, you yell at your kid before coming to church. But then you come to church and you feel like all of a sudden, like, like you got to smile. Right? And you can't, like, bring in negative emotions. Okay? And so we have this thought, like, if you have bad emotions, if you have doubt, if you have guilt, if you have fear, then, nope, sorry, you're a low-level Christian or you're a baby Christian. Uh, these kind of thoughts. And so even in the religious circle, we go, ah, emotions, no, 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 get rid of them. All right. How about the secular or the modern way? What was that? Emotions are good. It's the opposite, right? Ethan, is that what you were going to say? Yeah, it says emotions are good. But it goes a little further than that, and it actually says emotions are who you really are. Okay, that's your identity. And to repress them, that itself is the problem. So it teaches you, if you have feelings, if you have emotions, let it all out. Okay? So we say things like, hey... In your relationships, oh, you don't feel love for them? Just dump them. Leave them. Switch churches. Just divorce them. Why? Because if you don't feel it, it's phony anyways. I don't want to be phony. Why? Because feelings, emotions, that's who you are. So take it out on everybody else. Okay, but we said, no, 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 no. Those two ways are not the ways because it's kind of dangerous to live like that. Okay, it's dangerous to repress them. It's dangerous to just express them all the time because you'll probably get fired pretty quickly. Um, the book of Psalms that we're going over, it actually teaches us a third way. So the book of Psalms actually says there's a better way. You don't have to repress them. Okay, you don't have to bow down under your feelings. You don't have to submit to it. There's a third way, which is it? Teaching us how to pray or uh, uh, teaching us a third way, which is it? Pray. Praise what? Pray what? Come on, this is from last week. Pray about, okay, your feelings and emotions, okay? Okay, pray, not about, sorry, pray your, pray your feelings and emotions, not about. So about is kind of like, God, I'm stressed and fearful and I feel guilty, the end, and you just leave. No, 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 it's pray your emotions or your feelings. So what that is, you come to God. Okay, you express these things, okay, but you also process it in the sight of God, inside of reality as well. So today, we're going to go over fear. Last week, we went over, what did we go over? Guilt, right? We went over guilt and shame, and we talked about how do we process some of these things. Today, we're going to go over fear. All right, so question for you guys, number one, uh, what do you fear the most? Okay, you don't have to shout it out, but inside, think about it, what do I fear? What are the things that gives me anxiety, that makes me uneasy, that makes me wake up in the middle of the night, sweating? 
Hey, what do I fear? What are some of my anxieties? Hey, there was a research. Uh, I think they do it like couple, like every years or something. Uh, they talk about top ten fears in America. Okay, so tell you guys thought about your fears, right? See if uh, any of these fears that you have, it goes on there. Okay, this is what your uh, coworkers, your family members, top ten fears in America. Number one. Corruption of government. I'm actually surprised. This was like 70%. It was a lot of people. Okay, about 73% of the people who actually wrote the, out the survey, they said they are fearful of basically the politicians, the people who are making the laws, regulations, scared. Number two, pollution of oceans. Okay, number three, pollution of drinking water. Just letting you know, out of the top 10, about half of them, is, is related to uh, environment, pollution, and these kind of things. It's quite interesting, okay? So number one, again, corruption of government. Number two, pollution of ocean. And number three, pollution of drinking water. Number four, not having enough money for the future. Okay, can some of you guys resonate with that? Financial reasons, okay. Number five, uh, number five and six, they're both related. Number five is people that I love becoming sick. Number six, people that I love dying. Number seven, air pollution. Number eight, animal extinction. Number nine, global warming. Number 10, high medical bills. Yeah, right? Okay, these are some of the fears. Basically, about our life. The uncertainties of life. Because everything else, we feel like we can control. But these 10 things, most of these things, we feel like oh, we can't really control these things. So the certain uncertainties. All right. Can you guys resonate with any of these 10? I think Bill was like, yeah, I can resonate with them. Okay. Anybody else resonate with these things? All right. So we're going to see how we can actually deal with these fears or these anxieties that we have in our lives, okay? So, Shauna read it for us. Let's read uh, verse 1 and 2. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. So, there's two levels down and three steps out. So, we're going to talk about in Psalms 3 how there's two levels of fear, really, and how we can three steps out of those fears as well, okay? So we're going to describe what fear and anxiety actually looks like deep down inside, and we're also going to talk about how to actually get out of those fear as well, right? because we, we don't like to be in fear. All right, so if you guys actually look at your Bible, and it actually tells you what this psalm, when this psalm was written, it was actually written when David, King David, he was running away from his son Absalom. If you don't know the story, basically Absalom is his son, but his son basically became power hungry and said, hey, I don't really like the way my dad's running things here around the house. I think I could do a better job. So back then, what do you do? You kill him, okay? Kids, don't do that. <laughs> I don't suggest you doing this. It's not going to turn out well because we see Absalom, it doesn't work out well. And this is what David is basically, as he's running away from Absalom, this is what he's saying. So level one of this, he says, Lord, how many foes, how many are my foes? How many are 
rise up against me. So it's a physical attack, right? He's literally running for his life. Okay, you know how like, have you guys ever met like someone paranoid? Paranoid people, they're always like, dude, everybody's out to get me. Well, in this case, literally, a whole army is after David. And he has to go to the wilderness. And anytime he gets caught, it's not just imprisonment. His life is over. So level one is this idea of this physical okay, attack that he's receiving. Okay, that he might die. But there's a second level. And this is the level that we really, really resonate with. I mean, both levels we could resonate with. Right? Like physically, maybe you feel unhealthy or you feel unsafe. But you get to the next level right here. Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. So not only are they chasing him, they're also mocking him and saying, what, you think God's going to save you? Now, what happened? We know from previous king, because David was the second king, there was a first king. Do you guys remember the first king's name, kids? Do you guys remember? King Saul, very good, King Saul. And what happened with King Saul was he basically decided, you know what, I messed up with God, but I'm going to act like nothing happened. I'm going to make excuses. And so what happened? God, in the end, he gave Saul many different chants, but he continued to not repent. So God said, okay, I'm going to take your kingship, and I'm going to withdraw my spirit. What's going on with David? Okay, David, if you remember, before the story, he just had an affair with Bathsheba. Okay? What, what's, what that means is, if you don't know the story, he basically stole someone else's husband and said, oh, you're really pretty. Okay? I'm just going to sleep with you. Okay? And then he got her pregnant. Okay, you think your dramas that you're watching are fun? No. The Bible has the best dramas. And then now he doesn't know what to do with the husband because she's pregnant. So what does he do? He basically orders him to a suicide mission, and he dies. So imagine what the people are saying to him. People are saying to him, you have sinned. You have failed as a king. Hey, you think God's going to deliver you? No, 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 no. God has taken away his favor from you, his spirit from you. Basically, you have sinned. You have messed up in your life. And because of that, God has abandoned you. God has forsaken you. Now, let's go over these two levels, okay? Because I think that's, that's one level. There's one level, like the physical, you know, like feeling of fear. And then the second level where you feel like your identity or your real yourself is being attacked. Uh, in the 1950s, uh, there was a boom of uh, studies on fear, okay? That's when like the scientific, uh, before that, the writers and the literature, the arts were already kind of onto it. But the scientific community in the 50s, 1950s, basically they started to research and produce a lot of different material, especially psychologists and psychiatry. And this is when development happened, a lot of it. They started to talk about fear and anxiety, okay? And now we understand that as fear and anxiety, they're kind of interrelated. But back then they thought, no, these are kind of separate things. Uh, let me give you some uh, quotes on this. And this Rollo May, he's a psychologist. And this is something he said. He said, this is what fear is. And this, he said, this is the distinction between fear and anxiety. This is fear. Fear is if you are walking across a highway and you see a car speeding towards you, 
your heart beats faster, right? Because there is that fear, what if this car hits me? You focus your eyes on the distance between the car and you, and how far you have to go to get in a safe side of the road. And you run across. So basically, car is coming, you're scared, your heart beats fast, you're like, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get across. So you felt fear. Okay? And he actually says, this is the good fear. This is the type of fear that we need in our lives. Because why? It empowers us, it galvanizes us into action. So that's a good thing. Because if you didn't feel fear, you'll just get hit and the end. Okay. He talks about the second kind. So this is the second level. After the cars have sped by, you may be aware of a slight faintness and a feeling of hollowness in the pit of the stomach. So it's not just like, you know, car hit me, but afterwards, all of a sudden, you start having existential questions. Okay? Wow. Life is this easy. You can die like this. This is what he says called anxiety. And he says anxiety is what we feel when our existence as self is threatened. Okay? What is Rollo May saying? He's basically saying, hey, there's a good type of fear and a bad type of fear. There's a deeper level of fear, okay? So he says, healthy fear, it's specific, it's constructive, okay? You know exactly what you're scared of. The car passing by, that's scary. But again, you need that fear in order for you to survive, to get you into action. But he also says, no, 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 there's an unhealthy level of fear, okay? And this fear, you don't really know where the root is. It's not specific. You can't really put your finger on it. You don't know what it exactly is that is bringing you anxiety. And Rollo May says, the reason why we have this kind of anxiety is because we have these existential questions where we feel like, man, life can go anytime like this. Or we feel like, Maybe the things that we have put our identity towards is being shaken, right? Ourselves, our identity is being shaken. Who am I really? What's going on in my life? Okay. Why is this important? Because David, he's feeling this way. He's not just, oh, you know, people are coming over to me. I have fear. I need to run away. That's a good type of fear. But he has what, they, what, the, what, the, what the people are mocking him and saying, hey, God has abandoned you. God has forsaken you. He has another type of anxiety and fear within him. Okay, because before that, maybe he said things like, hey, I am a good king. I am a great king. Not anymore. Not after the whole Bathsheba thing. Not after your, 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 your son is rebelling against you and trying to usurp you. Or maybe he said, hey, my identity is in the fact that I am a good father. Sorry, the solution meant that's over. Okay? Maybe he said, hey, you know what? I'm a moral person. Bathsheba killed somebody. That's not happening either. Okay? Maybe he says, but I have authority. I have respect. Not anymore. You see, 
everything that he basically put his identity upon, which could have been, I mean, it could have been any of these things. I don't know exactly, but it could have been many of these things. Maybe it was, again, his status as who he is, his career. Maybe it was his family. Maybe it was respect. Maybe it was authority. Everything that he basically banked on said, and to said, this is who I am. This is why I can stand tall. This is why I can have peace in my life. All of these things are being shaken. And people are mocking him and saying, where is your God now? Okay. So the difference between fear and anxiety. Now, again, psychologists nowadays, they say, no, these are interrelated things. But just for this case, specific case, we can see like fear as something good. Where it's kind of like, you know how sometimes like, um, well, not probably not in Sacramento very much. But sometimes there's like a thunderstorm and the rain comes, but it goes away. And I think we need some of that because it's so, so dang hot these days. But it's like, imagine, it's like we feel cool. It's greener after that. But imagine if you're living in somewhere like Seattle, it's like raining all the time. Or me and uh, probably Peter knows, like living in the Midwest, like when it rains, it just, just rains, right? And the, like it, when it snows, it just snows, right? Like Gloria, she lived in Chicago too. It's just like just rains and snows in there. And so you come to a point where it's just like this deep anxiety is like it starts to mildew, right? It starts like, okay, stop now. Like this is getting bad. And this is exactly what David is talking about. He's not just talking. He's talking about, yes, there is fear, but there is deep anxiety with me, within me where I feel like I don't know who I am anymore. I feel like my identity has been stripped away. When circumstances change, my husband does something, when my kids do this, when my stocks go down, there's this deep anxiety within me where it's just pouring rain. Okay? And this is where, you know, you have to go see, like, a psychologist and a psychiatrist. Why? Because what happens is, like, auto, your, is it auto, automatic system? No, not automatic. I wrote it down. You know, when it comes to like these like scientific words, I never know. You see, you see why I couldn't become a doctor. Uh, what is it? Automatic nervous system? Is that right? Oh, I don't, oh yeah, whatever. So, so they they tell you right? Like you you need some of that. That's what's going to empower you. But what happens when that is always turned on? Like literally, you get ulcers. Okay, your high blood pressure, right? Doctors, that's really bad, right? Literally. Like, it's eating up within you. And this is what David is exactly going through. Not just fear of, like, physical, but this is a spiritual and a psychological fight that's within him. And he feels like, I am. My sense of self is being attacked. Do you guys ever feel like that? You get so anxious. You get so nervous. You can't sleep. Nothing makes you feel better. You always just feel like there's rain. Okay? This is exactly what David is going through. He's saying, this is the fear, this is the anxiety that I have within me. So, two steps down. Now, how do we get out of this? Three steps out. Let's go over them. Number one. And this is really, really important. Okay, step number one is but. Okay, but 
Okay? We should really be called but Christians. Okay? No, no pun intended. Okay? We should really be called but Christians. Whenever you have um, emotional issues, okay, you're going through very difficult, intense emotions, we need to bring it to God. And that's very important because I know in some um, religious circle, they say, no, 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 like ignore them or just like uh, swig them under the rug or uh, under the rug or just like have faith and just believe. No, we need to express these things to God. Okay? But we can't just end there. We can't just say, God, I'm so angry or I feel so guilty or I'm so fearful. I don't know what to do. And then I'm going to go to sleep. No, don't do that. You always say, but. So as Christians, the difference really between us as Christians is we say, but. Okay? So we come to God. We're praying. These are, these are the things how I feel, but. And that's really the first step forward. It's saying, but. Okay? But there is hope. But there is there will be, like, this will get better. Okay, so let's, let's kind of go around this. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. And this is really, really important because um, commentaries, when they talk about this, they talk about a, two different types of shield, right? One shield, it's like the smaller shield. We have a sword and a small shield. And you're kind of fending people off. You're, it's more defense and then offense. Whereas what he's talking about here, if you look at it, it doesn't just say shield, like, like, you are my shield, but it actually says, God, you are a shield around me, right? So, it's, it's encompassing. So, it's talking about, like, a shield. Maybe David is talking about a shield, like, that's much bigger, okay? So, it's not really for, like, hand, one-to-one, like, one-to-one combat, but when you are going into somewhere quite dangerous, right? When you know that there is going to be some difficulties, okay? Now, why is this important? This is important because there is going to be times in our lives, okay, because it's really easy to think, okay, I'm going to pray, and then, hey, God loves me, so therefore, ta-da, everything is going to be all okay, okay? Or, like, you, you know, like, some of you guys, uh, including myself, we get extremely frustrated at God because we're like, God, I'm praying, I'm doing all the things that, you know, like the right thing, supposedly, I'm praying, I'm reading my Bible, but still, things are not good in my life. And you get extremely, extremely mad at God and frustrated with God. And you go, oh, forget Christianity. Forget these kind of things. But the Bible never says that. But the Bible never says, hey, all of a sudden, you're only going to have sunshine in your life and things like that. No. But what does God promise? What does the Bible promise? The Bible promises, no. Within the difficult circumstances, again, these are people going into battle, knowing that things are going to be hard. And yet, things are going to turn out okay. That in the midst of your storm, even though you can't see anything, even though everything is so dark, even though it's so overwhelming, it's starting to mildew, God is basically saying, things are going to end well. It's, it always ends well. Okay? To know that even, okay, even in David's case, we're going to see this, even in David's case, okay, where he sees that this is actually his own fear and his own anxiety that he has created. It's not that God is sending him there. It's his own fear, his own anxiety. And yet, God is willing to say, and God is going to say, hey, I'm still going to bring goodness out of this situation. And this is so important for us when we're in fear and in anxiety. Okay? Because there's, there's a lot of times where we put ourselves in there 
But we need to continue to lean on to God and say, God, even though this was my stupid decision, even though this is my fault, I know that you can still bring goodness out of this. I know that you can still shield me. Are there going to be consequences? Absolutely. Like David, because of his sin, he's running away. But yet, he's still able to find goodness in this situation. And so that's something that we need to continue to hold on to. There's going to be fears. There's going to be anxiety in our lives. But we need to continue to say, but. But God can still bring goodness out of this situation, even though it seems horrible. So David's case, again, okay, do you think your life is bad? David's life, scandal, his family problems. He lost his job. He lost everything. He's running away. But still, you go, oh, if that something like that happened to me, my life will be over. But him, he's still able to find strength. So let's continue on. So first step is recognizing the but. Okay, but this story ends well. But there is hope. Okay, second step. Second step is, he says, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. And he says, my glory and the one who lifts my head high. Do you see that? Do you see that he's not saying all of a sudden my situation is fine? No, situation is not fine. It's not good, but yet you will still surround me, and yet you are my glory, and yet you lift up my head. Okay, what do we mean by that? He finally realizes now, okay, before he's like, my identity was in my career. My identity was in maybe my parenting, my relationships, my possessions. But all of a sudden, what is he saying now? He changed. And now he's saying, no, you are my glory. What is he saying? He's basically saying, now I realize, okay, my identity cannot be, or myself, cannot be centered in any other things. Because it will shake. Okay, some of you guys, you go, I make this much money, and I feel great because of that. I feel security. I feel identity. But what happens? People die. People get old. What if you say, my beauty? But what happens? You see, the problem is everything that we place our identity on, because it's, it's always, always within time and space, and it's always changing, it's always shaking. And that's why we have deep, deep anxiety that we can't get out of. That's why we have a hard time falling asleep at night. That's why we have social anxieties. We're always thinking, what is that person thinking about? So instead, David's saying, ha, huh, okay, but now I realize, okay, I can't do that anymore. I have to place you as my identity. I have to place my identity and myself on top of you. There's times in our lives where um, there's fears or anxiety within us. And, you know, it's really easy for us to just dismiss them and just say, like, I'm going to go on my phone or I'm going to just try to do something else. But I encourage you guys. I actually say have courage. You need a lot of courage, actually, to do this. Is when you smell the smoke, follow it. Okay? You're going to see. Because some of you guys are like, well, I don't, I don't really think I'm placing, you know, I think I have placed my, you know, my identity in God. 
But why is it that I have so much anxiety? Yeah, most likely, again, if there's smoke, follow the smoke. Go to the fire and see okay, what you have placed your, your anxiety or your identity and yourself on. Okay? I think a great example of this, just to tell you a personal story of mine, is um, I, and I actually, I actually realized this like nowadays. I didn't realize it um, back then, but about uh, five or six years ago, I was in Korea teaching English, and I absolutely like loved it, like absolutely loved it. But I, after about three years of teaching there, I came back to uh, seminary, and man, I started having like really, really bad anxiety. Right? Like I, I, I came to a point where I was like. I don't know how to talk to people. Like, how did I talk to people before? What had happened was basically I have placed my identity as a teacher. I said, hey, I am a teacher. I am a good teacher. I am a successful teacher. All of these people are admiring me. And so therefore, that's who I am. But the problem was when I came to America, I was no longer a teacher. I was just a student. And so like, I started to have like, so much anxiety within me. And I, I was like, I didn't know what it was. But recently I realized, oh, it's because I've placed my identity, myself, as a teacher. And I said, the only way I'm going to feel worth, the only way I'm going to feel love, is being a teacher. So if I didn't do that, I felt like my life was over. I felt like I was worthless. I was useless. That's why I couldn't talk to people. Why? Because I had deep anxiety within me. So once again... If there's smoke, if there's anxiety within you, if there's fear within you, okay, okay, of course, it could be the good fear. Like, you just need to run. But if there is deep anxiety within your heart, you need to explore that. Yeah, I know it's scary. Yeah, it's frightening. It hurts. But you see, it's going to feel much better than you face planting than to realize you are on unstable ground. Okay? Yeah. You might have to rebuild the whole house again. Remember, Jesus says, oh, anybody who builds their house upon the sand, not going to work out well. So if you realize that, I know, you're going to feel like, dude, I just built this whole house. I built my whole career. My, I built my whole life around this thing. Well, it's going to be much better to rebuild a new house than when the storm comes and just be washed away and have nothing. Again, that's why you need courage. So, second part, number one is the but, to know that it ends well. But part two is to really relocate your glory or your worth, okay, yourself, and God. Okay? Make your house, build your house upon the rock that will never be shaken. Not upon sand. Last part. Okay? Uh, by the way, let me, let me just talk about this really quick. He actually says, and this is incredible, okay, for someone who just committed, okay, just think about this. You have just committed adultery, okay, you have just, okay, killed, okay, the, adulter the person you committed adultery with, the husband, your baby died because of that, and now your son is rebelling. But what does he say? It's incredible. You see, and this is the power of prayer is that although there's so much negative within you, there's hope. 
Look at what he says. He says, the one who lifts my head high. Okay, when do, you, when do we usually put our head high? We put it high when we go, oh, when we're proud, right? When we're happy, when we're confident. He doesn't say, I'm going to put my head up. He says, God's going to come here and actually lift my head up. Okay, do we feel like that when we mess up? Do we just say, oh God, I messed up, but you're going to come and lift? No, we go, oh God, put my head lower, right? We just want to put our head in the hole. Why? Because we're like, no, 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 no. I feel like God's going to abandon me. God's going to forsake me. And that's exactly what people are saying to David. But David's saying, but, but you lift my head up high. Wait, so if you guys are not thinking with me here, you, the next thought is, wait, how do you have this much confidence? Like, dude, you just really messed up. Like, and this is not even like after, right? This is not even after like everything gets solved out. Like, this is during like his son is coming to kill him. Like, how do you have this? And this is, we get a hint of it over here. I call out to the Lord and he answers me. He doesn't just say, he might answer me, he will answer me. No, he answers me. When I call out to him, him, he answers me. So he has confidence. He has assurance. Why? He says, he answers me from his holy mountain. Well, what is the holy mountain? Okay, it's Mount Zion. This is where the tabernacle is. This is where the sacrifices happen. This is where we get really the confidence and the assurance to know that even within, you know, when we mess up, even when we're in deep fear, even when we placed our house, build our house, our life on sand, we can still say, hey, there is hope. There is way out of this. Why? David didn't actually understand this 100%, right? Because all the sacrifices, all the, you know, sanctuary sacrifice, all these things, you know, because uh, the Israelites, they basically had to bring an animal and have it killed in front of them for their sins. But he knew this concept of substitution. Okay? He knew that something else is going to take over for my sins. See? He didn't know that fully, though, because he never saw Jesus. But us, as Christians, if you are a Christian, you know that there's assurance. Do you know that a couple of centuries ago, there was somebody in deep, deep fear and anxiety. Deep fear and anxiety. And he was crying out to God. He was praying, too. He was praying his fears and anxiety. But he was saying, God, may this cup pass from me. But you see, his fear and anxiety, whereas David and our fear and anxiety a lot of times, we, have, it's, we get fear and anxiety. Why? Because... It's our bad choices. But this person who was praying, he purposely, intentionally said, I will go through fear and anxiety. I know that I'm going to die. I know that I will be separated forever from Jesus or from God. I know that I'm going to die a gruesome death. I know that the people that I'm dying for, they don't care about this. They're going to mock me. They're going to abuse me. But still, I will walk in this fear and anxiety, I will walk through this. Why? Because I don't want David. I don't want you. I don't want me. I don't want, he's saying, I don't want any of my sons and daughters to ever go through this. I will take on the ultimate fear. I will take on the ultimate anxiety in my life. I will bear all of that. 
so that we don't have to. You see, he knew this was going to end well. He knew that we would go through fears in our lives. He knew that we would go through deep anxiety in our lives, and we will place our lives, our identity, ourselves on something else. And so he said, no, 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 no. You see, let me show you that you don't have to do this anymore. Okay? Do you feel like you're a sinner and you have gone too far? Jesus says, but I have still died for you. Do you feel like life is uncertain and you feel like you never know what's going to happen? Jesus says, hey, death will not separate you from me. You will have eternal security within me. See, this is what David foresaw. He's not, he didn't know this fully. He didn't know exactly what it was, but that's, this is what he's referring to. He's saying, because of what Jesus has done, because I know there's an ultimate sacrifice, I don't have to fear this fear anymore. If I feel like I'm not good enough, it's okay. I can still, because he's the lifter of my head. He lifts me up. Even though my life isn't scared, and like things are not going right, I'm in the storm and it's dark, I know that it's going to end well. Why? Because even though Jesus died on the cross and everybody looking at him said, this is the worst thing that could happen, even through the worst thing that happened in his life, he brought the greatest good out of it. And David, that's why he's able to say, hey, is life okay? Absolutely not. Everything is failing. There is no hope. But I will put my life, I have put my anxiety, I have put my identity, I'm going to put it on God. And he will lift me up. So, we have fears, we have anxieties, okay? Will you go to God, talk about these things, have the courage to say but, have the confidence and the peace, knowing that it's actually God, it's actually Jesus who redeems us and he lifts us up. Let's go into a time of reflection.